Well, when I was given the bad news in Ecclesiastes, it was hot and sunny. Now I'm here with some good news, and it's cold and dark outside. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? How many of you have those times in your life that you just never will forget? They're just stuck in your mind. Just never forget it. One of those times for me was my first few weeks of the sixth grade. Do we have any sixth graders in here? Raise your hand if you're in the sixth grade. A few in here, okay. Well, when I was in school, in the fifth grade was when you were in the same class with the same teacher for most of the day. And uh, even when you went to another class, you went as a group from one class to, to the next. But you stayed with that group and you stayed in that one classroom for most of the day. And it was that way from kindergarten through fifth grade. But sixth grade, for me, all of that changed. In middle school, where I grew up in Conway, you, you had a different teacher every hour. So when the bell would ring, Everybody would get up and they would go their separate ways. You went by yourself and you had to find your next class and you had about 10 minutes to do it. And that was tough for me. I was just overwhelmed by all the different places that I had to be and the times I had to be there. And Leslie will vouch for me. She'll tell you this. To this day, I have the worst sense of direction. So I was always lost, always asking for directions, always running behind. And at times I'd go to the right class, but at the wrong time. And, and I would have the wrong books. And uh, it was just tough for me. Sixth grade was a tough transition for me. But here's one thing I knew for sure. I knew that if I was going to make it in the sixth grade, I had to learn how to handle and how to deal with the change in schedule from one hour to the next. Because they weren't going to change just for me. When the bell rang and everybody got up to go their separate ways, I couldn't just say, stop, everybody stop for a minute. Let me look at my schedule. Let me see where I'm going next. No, everybody was just, just up and gone. So for me to, to make it, I had to learn to make the adjustment. And you know what? Life can be just like that, can it? Life is constantly changing whether we want it to or not. One day, you could have this stable job, and the next day you don't. That's life. One year, you can be in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and the next year in Jacksonville, Texas. That's life. That's a true-to-life story. One day you can have your loved one with you. And the next day they're gone. That's life. And at times, we're not ready for the change, are we? But the change comes. It still comes regardless. So if we're going to make it in this life, we have to learn how to deal with and how to make sense of life's seasons. Solomon in our text this morning is going to show us how to do just that. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15 this morning. 
continuing our series through Ecclesiastes entitled Lessons Learned Under the Sun. And this morning, Solomon is going to tell us how to make sense of and, and how to live in and through the seasons of life. Here's the first principle. Number one, understand God is at work in the seasons of life. Look at verse one. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Those of y'all that grew up in the 60s, is this sounding familiar? Familiar song, right? Now in verse 1, Solomon tells us something very important about life seasons. He mentions here that, that God, he makes the point here that God is at work in and through them. Now some of you are thinking, where do you get that? from verse 1. And it's from that word translated in my Bible, season. You may have a different word in your translation, but that word is not a reference to the seasons of the year, like fall, winter, spring, and summer. It refers to an appointed time. Verse 1 can literally be translated, for everything there is an appointed time. What Solomon wants us to understand here is that Everything in life, in every season of life, they are appointed by God. In other words, God is at work in his world. Solomon wants us to understand nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by chance. God is at work in and through the circumstances, events, and seasons of life. Now, many people, they have problems with this. And a lot of people, they, they often want to speak in and kind of get God off the hook when tragedy strikes. Being like, well, you know, this, this kind of happened outside of God's hand here. This, this went opposed to his, his purposes. God didn't plan on that to happen. Listen, get this. God, he doesn't need us to get him off the hook, does he? God knows what he's doing. Nothing happens outside of his control. He is never taken by surprise. He has a plan. He is at work in and through the seasons of life. He doesn't need us to be his PR person, does he? In fact, it should bring us comfort to know that God is at work through the circumstances of life because let's be honest, at times, life's hard, isn't it? The circumstances of life can be so difficult and it's tough to make sense of it. Let me encourage you this morning. If you're going through a difficulty in life, if your circumstances in life just, just stink this morning, let me encourage you with the fact that God is on the throne. According to his word, he is on the throne, and he is in control, and he loves you, and is accomplishing his purposes in and through you. Rest in that fact. If you're going through difficulty this morning, let me encourage you to, to, to cling to Him. Trust in Him. Love, serve, and remain faithful to God. He's at work, and He's going to bring you through it. Though you may not understand the ins and outs of your season of life, trust me, God does. And He is calling for you and for me to trust in Him. 
So understand, God is at work in the seasons of life. Number two, expect change in the seasons of life. Solomon says not only are the seasons of life appointed, but they're also constantly changing. So therefore, we need to prepare for these changes in life. In the following verses, verses 2 through 8, we know these really well if we know the song by the birds. Solomon gives us very poetically a wide scope of, of experiences here on earth. In this verse of Scripture, in, these pa- in this passage, Solomon shares with us all kinds of extremes when it comes to the experiences of life, both positive and negative. And the reason why he does this is because he wants us to prepare for the fact that life is changing. Life is filled with highs and lows, ups and downs, and we need to be ready when these take place. Now, I also want to share with you this. We're just going to briefly cover these because that's what Solomon does. Solomon here is not building this strong theological position on all of these experiences of life. Remember, we talked about the fact that Solomon, he's a student of life. And he is sharing with us what he has observed about what happens under the sun with these different seasons, in these different seasons of life. In verse 2, Solomon says, There is a time to be born, and there is a time to die. There is a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. Solomon begins here with the ultimate experience of beginning and end, that of life and death. And here he tells us, God knows the day of your birth, And he knows the day of your funeral. God knows it. He wants us to be reminded of the fact that our days are numbered. Life on this earth is so brief. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And Solomon wants us to remember, as sure as you're born, you are going to die. Life is short, so you better get get busy living. He also says... A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. I think Solomon's referring to to the seasons here when he talks about the plant life. There, as soon as one season ends, another begins. And they're in constant change and they're appointed by God. Life is short. In verse 3, Solomon continues by saying, There's a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Now this verse makes many people uncomfortable because they don't like to think about the fact that there's a time for killing. Yet there is. The Bible says that there is. In fact, the Bible talks about killing a lot from Genesis through to Revelation. Now, it's important for us to realize this word, this Hebrew word is different from the word for murder. So those who, who say that the Bible is inconsistent and that it contradicts because Solomon says there's a time to kill and God says you shall not murder, they don't know their Hebrew very well. Solomon is talking about, uh, he's using a word different from murder here. He is talking about the fact that there is a time for just killing. That happens with capital punishment or or the killing that takes place during periods of, of war. So there is a time to kill. There's also a time to come alongside one another and, and come to the aid of one another and care for one another. Verse 4, Solomon says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Don't we know these to be true in our life? I mean, these these just change pretty quickly, don't they? Have you ever been so upset and somebody will do something to make you laugh? 
and you'll just bust out laughing with tears rolling down your face? You ever done that? Ava, she gets upset, and a lot of times it's just over little things most of the time. And when she gets upset, sometimes we'll just kind of make light of it, and she'll start laughing, and boy, that'll make her even more mad. You know? Because she wants to cry. Don't make me laugh. The Bible says don't, don't suppress these feelings. Weep, laugh, mourn, dance. Believers, I, I've said this before, and, and I, I'll say it again, I'm sure. But though there is a time to, to mourn and a time to weep, we, ought to, we also need to, uh, to laugh. We need to exude joy. We of all people should be people of joy, shouldn't we? When the world sees us, just miserable and, and depressed and lacking in joy all the time, you know what it causes them to think? It causes them to question our faith, for one. And then say, just what good is Christ? You're miserable. They think there's more joy to be had in, in going to the bars, going to the clubs, just hanging out with friends on the, on the golf course or on the lake. They think there's more joy in that than there is in a relationship with Christ and time spent with this church. We of all people should be joyous. We have reason to be happy and joyful. If anyone has one, we do. So we need to show it. Solomon says in verse 5, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Now, honestly, there's a, there's a number of views about the first part of verse 5, and I won't bore you with them. But, but I, I believe, along with many others, that what Solomon has in mind here is relations between a man and a woman. Some of you are like, where do you get that? From throwing stones and gathering stones. Well, in, in extra-biblical Jewish literature, yes, I just said that. I hope I didn't lose you by saying that. But in extra-biblical literature, uh, the, the phrase... Casting away stones or throwing stones is a, is a phrase used for sexual intimacy. And gathering stones is, is a phrase used from abstaining from that. And I believe it fits here in the context. And I think we would all agree that timing is everything in, in that area. We need to understand this. Solomon also says there's a time for embracing and a time to refrain from embracing. You know what? At times I'll say something to Leslie that a hug won't fix. Sometimes it makes matters worse because it communicates to her that I think a hug is going to replace talking out the conflict. Solomon says there, there's a time for embracing and there's a time to refrain from embracing. Verse 6, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. First part of verse 6, we, we know to be true in recent years, right, in our country. There are certain things, we, we've had to change our lifestyle a bit because of the state of things in our, in our country. There are many things we've had to cut back on and not buy because of, because of uh, the, the financial state of our country. Solomon says there's a time to seek things out and there's a time to not seek them out. He also says there's a time to keep and a time to cast away. Here we have biblical justification for garage sales. Next time you have a garage sale, you say, I'm just being biblical. The time to get rid of that old, ugly sweater. So there's a, there's a time for that. 
Verse 7, a time to tear and a time to sow. Tearing refers to the Jewish practice of, of tearing your clothes during times of grief. There is a time to grieve, isn't there? If you lose a loved one, grieve. By all means, allow yourself to grieve. But also understand that there's also a time for sowing, meaning there's a time for, for healing. There's a time to bandage up your wounds. In fact, you need to let yourself mourn. You need to let yourself grieve so that you can heal. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. Husbands, many of us are still learning this the hard way, aren't we? You know what I've found about myself, too? I can be so discerning when it comes to other couples. You know? Like, ooh, he didn't just say that. He's going to pay for that when he gets home. And then I'll come home and completely lose that discernment and make the same mistakes. There's a time to remain silent. There's also a time to speak. Once again, speaking to believers in here, there's a time to speak. We need to hold one another accountable. There are times when we see our Christian brothers struggling in a certain area of their life, and we remain silent when we should speak. Not in a condemning way, but in a loving way. Solomon ends this poem in verse 8 by saying, There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, as you can imagine, many people, they love half of this, and they don't like the other half. They like love and peace, right? Everybody likes that. And the Bible clearly says there's a time for that. We're, we're, we're told we are to love one another. Christ said, blessed are the peacemakers. But you know what else? There is also a time for hate and a time for war. Now some will say, man, it's, this is not Christ-like to hate. Christians aren't supposed to hate, are they? In any way. Really? We're to be imitators of God, right? Do you know God hates? He does. He hates sin. He hates sin because of what it does to His people and what it does to His holy name. We're told in Scripture that sin is cancerous. When it's finished, we're told it brings forth death. It does not finish until it kills us. We're to be like God in this way. We are to hate the sin in our lives and the sin in our world. But how are we to respond to that? By condemning others? No, we're, we're to love one another. We're, we're to love sinners. We're to despise the sin, but we're to come alongside them and show our hatred toward sin by directing them toward Christ and loving them sharing the gospel with them. So there's a, there's a time for hate. The Bible says, the Bible also teaches there's a time for war. In the Old Testament, God fights for his people to deliver them from oppression. And some will say, yeah, I know that to be true of the God of the Old Testament, but not Jesus, you know? Many try, try to paint Jesus as kind of this anti-war hippie. They're not reading the Bible I'm reading. Just read of Christ's second coming in Revelation 19. When Christ returns, John says, he comes to judge and he comes to make war. 
So there's a time for love and hate. There's a time for war and peace. And we need to be prepared for these changes in life because, listen, they're coming, whether we want them to or not. So expect change in the seasons of life. Third, and finally, accept limitations in the seasons of life. Verses 9 through 11. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So we've talked about the fact that that life seasons, they are appointed by God. And the fact that they're changing. And we've talked about the fact that we need to understand and rest in the fact that the seasons of life are appointed by God. And we also need to prepare for change in the seasons of life. But here Solomon points to the fact that we are also limited in our seasons of life. We have limitations upon us. And the reason why is because God has put eternity into our hearts, but we have time on our hands. Let me explain what I mean by this. Many of you have probably heard the phrase, God has put eternity into man's heart. And maybe you've used that in a positive way before. But, but here, what, what, what Solomon shows us when he explains this truth is that this can become a great frustration for you and for me. And the reason why is because we have time on our hands. You see, God has placed within each and every one of us this hunger to know what's right around the corner. Everybody has that, right? We want to know what tomorrow holds. We want to know what's just right down the road. Solomon also tells us that each and every one of us have this desire to understand. That's what he's getting at in verse 11. Though we can't comprehend the beginning from the end, we want to know how the pieces in life fit together, don't we? And we see this when people go through tragedy. Maybe you've done this as well when you've been through a tough period of your life. You want to know what's going on. You want to make sense of it. What are you doing? You question God. What's going on in, in, in my life? We want to make sense of things, don't we? But here's the problem. Here's where the frustration lies. Though we have eternity on our hearts, though we have this desire to understand and, and what tomorrow holds, and though we want to figure out how the pieces of the puzzle fit together, our life on this earth is so very brief. We can't see the beginning from the end like God can. Though we want to understand, we have time on our hands. Which leads us to Solomon's question in verse 9. What are we to do about this? How are we to live? We who are limited by time, how are we to live in light of this? Solomon's always coming back to this question, isn't he? He, he brings up a frustrating point and he says, okay, how are we to live in, 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 in light of this? Well, he goes on to explain to us how in, in verses 12 through 15. He explains to us how we are to live in light of the limitations that we have with time being on our hands, even though eternity is on our hearts. Here's the first thing. First, we are to enjoy our appointed season. There's both of them. You can go ahead and write them both in. But we're on point one right here. Enjoy your appointed 
season. Though we don't understand the ins and outs of life, Solomon here in verses 12 through 13, he tells us that we are to find enjoyment in our appointed season. Look at verse 12 and 13. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Here's what Solomon's saying in verse 12 through 13. Because the seasons of life are appointed by God, because God is at work in and through them, even though we can't understand the ins and outs of everything, what we need to do is look for reasons to rejoice in our current season of life. Even when you don't understand. If there is something that, that most of us, if not all of us in this room, struggle with, it's this right here. I mean, we continually, daily, fail to enjoy our current season of life. Many of us have a tendency when we're looking at the seasons of life, we are, we are thinking about the season we've already been through, or we're looking forward to what awaits us, and in turn, what happens is we fail to enjoy our current season of life that we're in. Solomon wants us to understand we do not need to let life pass us by and, and miss the opportunities that God has for us today. If all of life is appointed by God, if God has you where you are in your season of life for a purpose, doesn't it make sense that you need to stop and look where you are in your life and look for reasons to worship God and, and rejoice in Him in your current season. Parents with young kids like me, if you ask the parents of whose kids have already grown, they'll tell you this. There's going to come a time when your kids aren't going to want to snuggle down on the couch with you, watch a movie with you, go to the store with you, go to the movies with you, just be with you and just hang out with you because they'd rather be with their friends. You need to enjoy this season of life because it's so very brief. To the kids that are in here, I hope you take this to heart, kids. You need to enjoy the season of life you're in. You need to enjoy just being a kid. Don't be too quick to want to grow up and have all these responsibilities. Enjoy just being a kid. Because there's going to come a time when you're going to have to pay bills. I know you don't believe me, but it's true. You're going to have to pay bills, and you're going to have to provide for your family. So enjoy this season of life you're in. To the college students that are in here, enjoy college. It's a great time. Just don't stay there too long. Four to four and a half years is enough time to enjoy that season of life. So, but, but all of us need to do this, don't we? We need to enjoy the seasons of life, even though they may be difficult. There are times when Leslie and I are just wiped after we get the girls down. I can't even imagine when it's like the Morrises aren't here. I can't even imagine more than two because we're wiped with two. And we'll be sitting back and just thinking about, oh, it's going to come a time when we're not going to be this exhausted all the time and wrestling kids and getting them to bed. And you know what? That's true. There is going to come a time 
we're not going to have to wrestle the girls to bed because they're going to be gone. And when that time comes, we're going to want to go back, and we can. We need to enjoy the seasons of life that we are in and not let them pass us by. The second truth in, in, in uh, living with these limitations that we have is we need to get in step with God. Get in step with God, verses 14 through 15. He said, I perceive that whatever God is, does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. God has done it so that the people fear before Him. That which already has been, that which is to be, already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. What, what Solomon's basically saying here in this verse is, God is at work in and through history. We've talked about that. He has a perfect plan. There is a purpose behind everything that he does. And get this, his purposes cannot be stopped. They will come to pass. God has a perfect plan, and that perfect plan will be carried out. There is a rhythm to life, and God sets that rhythm. And what you and I are to do in response is, we are to get in step with God. We are to get in rhythm with Him. We are to live in harmony with Him. Even though we can't understand the beginning from the end, even though we don't know the ins and outs of life, the best thing for us to do is to get in step with God. Remember I told you earlier my frustrations in the sixth grade? What if I just said, you know what? I'm not going to make that transition. I'm just going to go to whatever class I want to go to, the time I want to go to it, I'm going to bring whatever book I want to bring. When I'm hungry, I'm going to go to lunch. Would life have gotten easier for me if I had done that? No. Much more difficult and much more frustrating. Listen, the same is true with God. Think about this. If what God has planned and what God is doing cannot be altered, cannot be changed, doesn't it make sense if we try to live our lives apart from God, if we try to carve out our own meaning in life and live opposed to Him, that our life is not going to get better, it's going to get worse? It's going to become extremely more frustrating. And that's Solomon's point. We need to get in step with God. Even when we don't understand the ins and outs. And you know what you're going to find? When this happens, you're going to find happiness and satisfaction. Even during difficult times, even when you have a ton of questions, when you get in step with God, when you live in harmony with Him, you're going to experience happiness and satisfaction. Solomon says here in this text, don't fight with God, follow Him. Don't try to carve out your own existence, get in step with His. Live in harmony with God and He will give you the gift of satisfaction. So though the, these are these limitations, there, though there are limitations in our, in our seasons of life, the way we are to respond is we are to enjoy the season that God has appointed for us and we are to get in step with Him. I want to end this morning with, a, with an illustration. How many of you have puzzles in your home? Most of you in here, right? Y'all like to work puzzles? I, I just, anything over 500, I'm stretching myself, but... 
You know, when you get into the 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, I mean, when you open that box up, I mean, it's just a mess, isn't it? There are puzzle pieces everywhere, and you don't know how to make sense, heads or tails of anything, do you? Until what? Until you look at the box, right? You begin to see where all the colors are, and you begin to separate the puzzle pieces by color, and you begin to work from the outside in, and then you're on your way. But get this, this is what life is like. Life is as if we have one piece of the puzzle and no picture to look at. It is. We are just one piece of the puzzle without the picture. And that can be frustrating, isn't it? Can it be? That can be frustrating. We don't know how to make heads or tails of it. But here's the good news. The good news is God sees the whole picture. God has the perfect perspective. He sees beginning to end. And you know what he's doing? He is piecing together history exactly as he desires, exactly as it's supposed to be. You want to make sense of the seasons of life? Then you have to come to know the one who holds tomorrow. If you would turn from your sins and trust in Christ alone for your salvation, listen, you can come to know the one who sees everything perfectly. The one who has the perfect perspective. The one who is piecing together history exactly as he desires and and whose plan cannot be stopped. You can belong to the one who is making everything beautiful in his perfect timing. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today in need of you. We are in need of you. Father, as we talked about this morning, we are just one piece of the puzzle without the picture. We need you, the one who has the perfect perspective, the one who sees beginning and end, the one who is piecing together this life exactly as you desire. We, we need you, God. Father, forgive us for going at life on our own. Forgive us for trying to carve out meaning in our life apart from you, opposed to you. Father, if there is anyone in here that's doing that this morning, I pray that you would just make their life frustrating until they turn to you and live for you. Father, we thank you that Though our life on this earth is so very brief, thank you, God, that you offer yourself to us. Even though we have sinned against you and we have turned away from you, Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to live the perfect life we could never live and die as our substitute and perfect sacrifice so that we could be made right with you. If there's anyone in here that doesn't know you this morning, Father, I pray that you would do a great work in their heart and life right now and that they would turn from their sins and turn to trust in you and that today would be the day of their salvation. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to...